Yeah, I'm Jim Nolan. I'm a private investigator working for my dad's firm in Boston. Perhaps you've heard of dad, Albert Nolan? A lot of his cases were written up in PI Magazine. He and Gladys, that's my mother, have been running this office since I was in high school. Now dad is missing. He hasn't returned from investigating the Laurel case up in Maine. I've come back to work with mom until he returns. He will return. I will find him. It's only a matter of time. Misfits Audio is proud to present Jim Nolan, Private Eye. Episode 6 is entitled, The Head of the Class. The scene is Boston's Kirkland Academy, a young lady's private school. We are in the school's auditorium, where the students and faculty have gathered for a -a once-in-a-lifetime event. Boston's various media outlets are also in attendance, their cameras pointed at the lectern in the center of the stage. A hush falls over the crowd as Margaret Wilcox, the assistant principal, walks to the podium. Let's hear what she has to say. I'd like to welcome all of you to this momentous occasion in the history of Kirkland Academy. Someone once wrote that those who do not learn from history are destined to repeat it. We here at Kirkland revere our past. Our school's founder, Mrs. Emily Backstrand, and our first principal, Jeanette Carruthers, were among those who saw the need for a school which realized that women, no longer merely the fairer sex, needed an institution of higher education that would prepare them for the challenges the future would demand. That was 137 years ago. Today, we revisit Kirkland's past. To guide us on that journey, I am honored to present our wonderful principal, Mrs. Nancy Conlon. Thank you, thank you. You're all too kind. Thank you, Margaret, for that lovely introduction, and my thanks to all of you, including the media, for your attendance. History. Margaret spoke of history. Kirkland Academy has a rich past which dates back to our founding in 1836. In 1873, exactly 100 years ago, a group of students and faculty got together and decided to plant a time capsule on the school grounds near our lovely fountain. Their instructions were that the capsule should be opened for the enjoyment of all, exactly 100 years hence. Well, that day is today. I wish I could tell you what is in the time capsule, but I have no idea. Any record of its contents was destroyed when the Academy's library caught fire in 1902. So, as I open the capsule today, my surprise will match yours. And now, if Mr. Dawson would kindly wheel the capsule on stage, we can begin to satisfy our collective curiosity. 
I've taken out the screws. Just pop the top off. Thank you, Mr. Dawson. And now, ladies, without further ado, I give you 1873. Nancy, what is it? What's wrong? In the capsule. It's... it's horrible. What is? A head, Maggie. A human head. I'll wager that isn't what anyone expected to find. What is a decapitated human head doing among the century-old relics of Kirkland Academy? Whose head is it, and how did it get into the time capsule? We'll be back with our latest Jim Nolan private eye mystery, The Head of the Class, in a moment. Now, some miles away from the horrifying events at Kirkland Academy, we listen in at the offices of Nolan Investigations on Devonshire Street. Jim has gone out to get lunch for everyone at the corner sub shop. While he's away, his girlfriend, Trudy Williams, and his mother, Gladys, are having a little chat concerning Jim and Trudy's future. I'm telling you, Mrs. N., Jim makes me wonder sometimes. He's made me wonder many times. Do you think he really wants to get married? Of course he does. I don't know. We've been together for so long. Almost seven years. Albert and I went together for nearly ten years before we got married. Ten years? That's right. Why so long? It didn't seem long to us. I knew... I was going to marry the most wonderful man in the world. Maybe Jim's not going to ask me. Of course he will. I'd like to start planning things. I've already asked all my girlfriends to be bridesmaids. Bridesmaids? You're not even engaged. I've asked them informally. There's no sense waiting till the last minute. Nolan Investigations, may I help you? Hello, Walter. No, I'm sorry. He's out now. I'm expecting him back any minute. Lunch is served. Speak of the devil. Hold on a moment, Walter. Jim just came in. Is that Walter as in Lieutenant Carmichael? The very same. Could you put him on hold, please? I'll take it in my office. Just a moment. He'll be right with you. Jim. Could we talk for a little bit? Sure thing, honey. But later, let me see what the lieutenant has on his mind. A, a human head? That's right. I'm sorry, it sounds like you're having lunch. I don't want to put you off your food. It's, it's okay. I take it the head wasn't a planned part of the time capsule. Some of my people to Kirkland to poke around, including a pathologist to analyze the remains. How about you come with me to check things out? You're asking for my help? Sure. I've helped you on some cases. How about you return the favor? Doesn't the case pique your interest? You know it does. Glad to hear it. How about I swing by in 20 minutes to pick you up? That should give you enough time to finish your lunch. We'll drive out to Kirkland together. 
So, have you popped the question yet? Not yet. Uh-oh. Trouble in paradise? No, nothing like that. What, then? It's just that with Dad still missing... It, your dad and I go way back, further than either of us likes to admit. He told me many, many times that marrying Gladys was the best decision he ever made. Don't go putting off your happiness because life is getting in the way. Life will always do that, whether you're single, engaged, or married. Yeah, but I sure would like Dad to be there on my wedding day. Don't think he won't be. Both of us are still trying to find him, and I'm sure Al is doing everything he can to get home. I guess you're right. A wedding is really important to a girl, Jim. It's her one day to be a princess. That's why she's all dressed up and has all of her friends waiting on her. Do you walk down the aisle? No, she does. You're already up at the front of the church waiting for her. Did you ever hear anyone at a wedding say, look at what the groom is wearing? <laughs> no. That's because it's really the bride's day. Don't get me wrong, it's a big day for the groom, too. After all, you're getting a beautiful wife out of it. But how important can you feel when you're wearing rented clothes? <laughs> Thanks, Lieutenant. You've given me a lot to think about. Don't think about it now. We've got a mystery to solve at Kirkland Academy first. Welcome, gentlemen, to Kirkland. Thanks, Miss Wilcox. Ms. Uh, of course. Sorry. That's quite all right. Were you the one who discovered the head? No, that was Mrs. Conlon, our principal. May we speak with her? Could you wait for a short time? The doctor is with her now. Doctor? Is she sick? This discovery has upset her so. She's an older woman. Her heart is a bit weak, and her blood pressure is on the high side. I suspect the doctor will be leaving shortly. We'll wait. Thank you. Would you know where my officers are? I believe they're in the common room. Follow me, please. Dr. Karen Lawrence, this is Jim Nolan of Nolan Investigations. He's helping out on this case. Glad to meet you. Likewise. Is that the time capsule down the trolley? Yes, that's it. And the head? It's in there. Come and see. Come now, you're not afraid, are you? No, but seeing a bodiless head wasn't on my list of things to do today. Mine neither. Come on, it won't bite you. It's dead. Ick. Do you want me to take it out of the capsule? Nope. What can you tell me about it? While the other things in the capsule are a hundred years old, this head isn't even close. Are you saying that someone put the head in the capsule only recently? That's my theory. How long has the head been in there? Based on the state of decomposition, I'd say about a month. Why would someone try to hide the head in something that was going to be dug up soon? I don't know. Doctor, what can you tell me about the uh, head's... um? owner. He was a white male, with black hair and very blue eyes. 
I guess he was in his late teens or early 20s. Anything else? No. There was some really fascinating artifacts from a century ago, but nothing on our mystery guest. It's a shame, really. What is? Well, the blood from the head has ruined some of the capsule's contents. They're irreplaceable. Did the boys dust for prints? Yes. Unfortunately, there was nothing worthwhile. Officer McManus? Yes, sir? Get in touch with Sergeant Fine back at the station. Have him check the missing persons reports to see if we have anyone on the list matching the description the doctor gave. Right away, Lieutenant. Maybe we should have Ms. Wilcox distribute the man's description to the student body. Someone may have seen him about and be able to identify him. Good idea. Will you see to that, McManus? Yes, sir. How could whoever did this not be noticed? What do you mean? Let's forget about the poor guy's murder for a bit and focus on how somebody got the head of the time capsule. Whoever did it had to dig up the capsule, break the seal, put in the head, fix the seal, and rebury the capsule, all without being noticed. Does seem implausible. And like you said earlier, why bury the head in the capsule when it was only going to be dug up again a month or so later? Maybe whoever killed the man didn't know about the unearthing. How big of a to-do was this ceremony? Pretty big from what the assistant principal mentioned to me. There was a lot of media here. They've been publicizing the opening of the capsule for months. Doctor, could we put the lid back on the time capsule? Certainly. I see the cover was fastened to the capsule with screws. Yes. Lieutenant, look at these. They look new. Exactly. I could go down to the corner hardware store and buy screws just like these. There's no rust or corrosion on them. What are screws from 1973 doing sealing a time capsule from 1873? Thank you for seeing us, Mrs. Conlon. You're welcome. I'm sorry to have kept you waiting, but the whole grisly affair affected me more than I thought it would. Are you well enough to answer some questions? Yes. I had a bit of a rest and the doctor has given me some pills. I'll be very happy to never see that dreadful time capsule again. Ma'am, Channel 7 showed us the footage they shot of the capsule. Oh, I'd forgotten about the media being present. Kirkland's reputation will be ruined. Who was the older man who wheeled the capsule out to you? That was Mr. Dawson, our custodian. It looked like he murmured something to you and then walked off stage. Yes, he mentioned that he had removed the screws from the capsule and that all I needed to do to open it was pop off the lid. Which you did. Yes. What a terrible affair. I will never forget that moment for as long as I live. I can imagine. Mrs. Conlon. We now know that the head was placed in the time capsule only about a month ago. You mean it's not as old as the other artifacts? No, it's not. We're reasoning that someone was able to dig up the time capsule and put in the head without being noticed. That sounds like a tall order. Where was the capsule buried? By the water fountain. You must have seen it when you drove in. It's directly in front of the main entrance. We did. It's right out in the open. It is. I I've got it! Got what? Spring break! Ma'am, you must have spring break here like other colleges. 
We do. It was about four weeks ago. And Kirkland Academy is pretty empty for that week? Yes. The perfect time for someone to dispose of the head, probably at night. Are you suggesting that one of my students or faculty committed a murder? We're ruling out no one. If it is someone connected with the school, it still doesn't explain why he or she had buried the evidence in something that was going to be opened so soon. Why not, oh, I don't know, throw it in the Charles River? Ma'am, would you have a list of the students and faculty who stayed on Kirkland's grounds during spring break? Yes, my secretary would have that information. We keep such a list for emergency purposes. Might we also speak with Mr. Dawson, your custodian? Certainly. I take it that he dug up the capsule? He did. Since he wheeled it on stage, we're hoping he might have some answers for us. I'll have him located at once. Maybe he could meet us by the fountain and show us exactly where the time capsule was buried. I'm sure he could, but gentlemen, there's something you should know about Edward Dawson. What? He's not... how can I put this nicely? He's, he's not quite right in the head. Are you saying he has a mental problem? No, no, no. It's only that he's very reclusive and not at all talkative. He prefers to keep to himself and do his work. He's an excellent custodian. He's been here for nearly two decades. And I guess you could call him slow. Is that being mean? Are you guys looking for me? Mr. Dawson? Uh-huh. I'm Jim Nolan, and this is Lieutenant Carmichael of the Boston Police Department. Pleased to meet you. Sure. We wanted to ask you some questions about the time capsule. Uh-huh. We're guessing this spot is where it was buried. The earth has been disturbed here. That's where she was. Did you notice if the dirt had been turned already before you started digging? Yeah, it had. Less work for me. The screws that fastened the capsule's lid on were new. I saw that, too. The, those were the ones that were in there. Didn't it seem odd to you that the dirt had already been disturbed or that a hundred-year-old time capsule would have modern-day screws? I don't question nothing around here. I just do my work and keep my mouth shut. Dig up the time capsule, take out the screws, bring it to the auditorium, they says, and that's what I do. Weren't you the least bit curious? I don't get curious, Sonny. That's how I've been here for 20 years. I'm telling you two, I've seen some stuff in my time here that would make your hair curl. Really? Not with Mrs. Conlon, if she's a nice lady, but I've seen some real shenanigans going on between some of the students and the male teachers. Disgraceful, that's what it is. The whole world's going to hell. Mr. Dawson, were you here for the week of spring break? Sure. It's pretty quiet that week. I, I stay in my cottage, and, and I don't bother nobody. It's not a lot of work to do. No kids are trampling my flower beds. Did you notice anything unusual going on then? I told you, mister. I does my work and keeps my mouth shut. I don't go looking for no trouble. Good evening, Nolan Investigations. Mom, I'm glad you're still there. Jim, I was just closing up. Are you okay? I'm fine. Lieutenant Carmichael and I haven't been able to solve the case yet, so the principal is going to put us up for the night. With all those young girls? It's not like that. 
How's the case going? It's pretty weird. I'll tell you all about it when I get back. Is Trudy still there? Yes, she is. Hold on. Trudy, it's Jim. He wants to speak with you. Hello. Hi, Trudy. I was just telling Mom that we haven't been able to solve the case, so I'll be staying here tonight. Oh, that's too bad. When I get back... Is something wrong? No, it's nothing like that. We'll figure out when and where when I get back. Goodbye, honey. I've got to run. Good morning, gentlemen. I hope you slept well. Very well. Thank you. I trust the cafeteria food wasn't too horrible. I kind of liked it. I've never seen so many flavors of Jello. Have you heard anything new? Not yet. Excuse me, Miss Wilcox? Good morning, Sarah. Might we talk at some other time? These two gentlemen and I have police business to discuss. I know. That's why I came here. What do you mean? I think I know who the head belongs to. Sarah, this is Lieutenant Carmichael and Mr. Nolan. Gentlemen, Sarah Asherman. Nice to meet you, sirs. You too. You said you think you know whose head is in the time capsule? Yes. His first name was Brad. I think his last name was Keaton. How do you know that? Some of the girls and I were talking about the description of the murdered man. You know, the one that was passed around the school by the police? Being an all-girls school, we don't get too many male visitors. Everyone read the paper and instantly thought of Brad. He had dark hair and the bluest of blue eyes. How did you know him? Was he a boyfriend? <laughs> I wish. No, I'd never attract a dreamboat like that. I'm not sure if he was her boyfriend, but we always saw Brad hanging out with Michelle Taylor. When was the last time you saw him? Hmm, maybe a month ago. I think it was during spring break. My family lives in Texas, and I couldn't afford the flight home, so I stayed here. Could we speak with Michelle, Ms. Wilcox? Whatever did happen to her? Thank you, Sarah. You've been very helpful. Would you leave us, please? We have some private matters to discuss. Sorry. Um, I hope I didn't get Michelle in trouble. Don't worry about it. Please close the door on your way out. I will. Nice to have met you guys. Michelle Taylor. Now that's a name I had hoped to never hear again. Can we speak with her? I'm afraid Michelle no longer attends Kirkland Academy. Her parents withdrew her from our program. About a month ago? Exactly. It never occurred to me that she might have some connection to this. Why did her parents withdraw her? What happened? Michelle developed some personality problems. Her behavior became erratic, even dangerous. She started randomly lashing out at some of the other girls, both verbally and physically. I never got the full story about what was causing it. Her parents took her out of the academy, and Mrs. Conlon and I were happy to see her go. Is she local? The last I heard, her family lived on Beacon Hill. That ain't cheap. No. Her father is a judge. Her mother is a doctor, a pediatrician if memory serves. 
Can you contact them? Yes. I'm sure we must still have Michelle's records. Call the family and mention that we really need to see them. Michelle Taylor might be the key to this whole case. Before we left for the Taylor's Beacon Hill address, Lieutenant Carmichael got a call from Officer McManus. 19-year-old Brad Keaton was indeed on the missing persons list and had been for almost a month. The description given to the police by his father mentioned his son's dark hair and sparkling blue eyes. Yes? Mrs. Taylor, I'm Lieutenant Carmichael. This is Jim Nolan. Yes, please come in. Thank you. Thank you for seeing us on such short notice. You're welcome. Today is my day off. Would you like some coffee? No, thanks. None for me. We're here to see you about Michelle. Yes, Maggie Wilcox mentioned that. May we speak with her? I'm afraid she's not here. Do you know when she'll be back? Well, I... Mrs. Taylor, allow me to be blunt. We're investigating your daughter's possible connection to a murder. A murder? Michelle? Never. We have good reason to believe that she may have useful information in the investigation of the murder of Brad Keaton. Keaton? Yes, ma'am, Brad. Catch her, Jim. She's fainting. Mrs. Taylor, are you all right? I'm... I'm fine. What happened? You fainted. I did? Right after I mentioned Brad Keaton. Do you know him? Can I trust you, gentlemen? Of course. I don't know Brad Keaton, but I did once know a Joe Keaton. Are they related? Possibly. I- I'm I'm not sure. How did you know Joe Keaton? <sighs> Years ago, before Michelle was born, my husband and I separated for a few months. We were trying to work out some problems with our marriage. One day, out for a walk on the Boston Common, I met a man. Joe Keaton? Yes. He was nice. He was sweet and very handsome. We started to talk. He was separated from his wife at the time. Well, one thing led to another, and... Soon we were sleeping together. We had an affair that lasted for a couple of months. When both of our marriages started coming together again, we stopped the affair and promised never to speak of it again. If the two Keatons are related, it sounds like Brad decided to meet Michelle. I don't see how he could have found her. Our two families are from very different social circles. The Keatons were not at all wealthy. Where is Michelle? (sighs) She's in Westbrook. The asylum? Yes. Why? After my husband and I took Michelle out of Kirkland, I tried 
to take care of her at home. I took a leave of absence from the hospital. I couldn't do it. She was too strong, and her mood swings were quite severe. She'd go from manic and depressed to normal with no warning. I never knew what to expect from minute to minute. She needed more help than I could give her. We finally admitted her to Westbrook on the recommendation of our family doctor. What do the doctors there say about her condition? They say she's suffering from something called bipolar disorder. That accounts for her severe mood swings. They feel that it was probably developing for some time and finally came to fruition while she was at Kirkland. Do you think her disorder may have made her capable of murdering Brad Keaton? No, no. I can't imagine her doing that. She's mentally disturbed. She's not a murderer. Could we see her? Yes, though I'm not sure what you might get out of her. I visit her frequently, and she's not lucid very often. We have to try. I'll call Dr. Hardy at Westbrook and let her know that we're coming. We can leave in a few minutes. Before we left for the asylum, Lieutenant Carmichael called the police department and learned that Brad Keaton's dad was indeed named Joe. Westbrook Asylum reminded me of a military installation. We had to pass through a guard gate on the way in. Bars covered every window, and the exit doors were locked and bolted. All the staff carried key rings that jangled as they walked. We met Dr. Hardy and set out for Michelle's room. On the way through the maze of corridors, we were witness to many kinds of mental disorders. I saw some people who were restrained to their beds and weeping openly while a nurse tried to calm them. One woman kept screaming out that she wanted her cat. I heard language come out of many rooms that my mother would have washed my mouth out with soap for using. One older gentleman continually walked in the wall no matter how many times the staff stopped him and tried to redirect him. Finally, we came to Michelle's room. On a piece of masking tape stuck to the door, someone had scrawled Michelle Taylor. Dr. Hardy ushered us in and closed the door behind us. Stop that, Michelle! Why? Because I said so. But it's fun! You could hurt yourself! By jumping on a bed? If you don't stop, the nurse and I will be forced to sedate you. Oh, all right. Grown-ups don't know how to have fun. Mommy, I didn't see you. Hello, Michelle. How are you today? They took my jump rope, but I'm okay. What are you doing here? You don't usually come on Tuesdays. Who are these guys? This is Lieutenant Car- Tweedledee and Tweedledum, that's who they are. Like in my storybook. You haven't had that book for years. We've had a problem lately with Michelle thinking she's a little girl. Our psychiatrist believes she's attempting to regress to a simpler, happier time. Yep, Tweedledee and Tweedledum. That's who they are. 
Which one are you? Shh. Michelle, can we ask you some questions? Why not? It's so boring around here. I can't jump on my bed. There's nothing else fun to do. Do you remember Kirkland Academy? I think so. Lots of girls and no yucky boys. That's right, dear. Well, one boy... Oh yeah, Brad. I remember him. He's dead. How did he die? I killed him. Why? No. Because no. he was bad. He wanted to hurt you, Mommy. He said he wanted money to not talk about something naughty you did a long time ago. I didn't have any money. I tried to tell him that, but he wouldn't listen. Boys. Blackmail? It would seem so. He kept coming and asking, and I said, no, no, no. Go away and leave me alone. Michelle, you didn't really kill Brad Keaton. Sure I did. I was at the stable one day. I used to like riding the horse, Sunrise, when Brad snuck up behind me. He was hurting me and kept asking me for the money. I got away from him and grabbed the first thing I could find to protect myself. An axe. No. I didn't mean to cut his head off. I wasn't even aiming. It popped right off when the axe hit his neck. Boing! His body shook a little and fell to the ground. Kind of like a slinky. So you hit his head in the time capsule. I didn't even know it was there. The earth looked softer around the fountain, so that's where I dug. I waited until really late at night. I even put on black clothes so no one would see me, and I dug as quietly as a little mouse. When I found the time capsule, I figured no one would find the head inside it and I wouldn't get in trouble. The darn screws broke off, so I had to take some new ones from Mr. Dawson to put the lid back on. I couldn't have the head fall out. I'm a better hider than that. Didn't you know that they were going to open the time capsule before long? Nah, never heard of it. I must have missed that. I didn't pay much attention at school. My own world was much nicer. It still is. Can I go play now, Mommy? I got a brand new piece of chalk to draw a hopscotch board. I'd use a rock, but the doctors have taken them all away so I don't throw them at people or puppies anymore. Michelle, what did you do with Brad's body? <laughs> Wouldn't you like to know? I'm not telling and you can't make me. Nah, 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 nah. Nurse, will you take Michelle out to the playground for a bit? <laughs> Keep a close eye on her. See you later, Mommy. Bye, Tweedledee. Bye, Tweedledum. You better get back to my book. That poor woman. Dr. Hardy gave her a sedative to calm her down. She was doing a bit better when the lieutenant and I drove her home. I can't imagine what it must be like knowing your daughter committed a murder. Will she be brought up on charges? No. Lieutenant Carmichael has already contacted Joe Keaton, the boy's father. He knows that Michelle wasn't in her right mind when she did it. He had no idea his son was trying to shake down Mrs. Taylor. He doesn't even know how Brad found out about the two of them. Did they find the rest of Brad's body? Not yet, but they're going to keep looking. How terrible! All those lives affected. Yeah, it's really sad. Say, this is a nice place, isn't it? 
A lot nicer than McDonald's. How's your chicken masala? Really good. Aren't you hungry? You haven't touched your steak. I've, uh, I, I've got something on my mind. That's right. You said you wanted to talk. What is it? Trude, the lieutenant and I had a man-to-man chat on the way to Compton Academy. About what? He made me realize that I've been putting off some things because Dad is still missing. Things I shouldn't put off. Important things. Like what? <sighs> like asking you to marry me. What? I-, I can't afford a ring yet, but I will. Mary? I-, I-, I don't know what to say. Try yes. Yes, yes, of course I will. I can't believe this day has finally come. It's been so long. Um, could you pass me the steak sauce, please? The, the what? The steak sauce. Now that I've asked you to get married, I'm hungry. <laughs> and this T-bone wasn't cheap. Our special thanks to our regular cast members, Russell Gold as Jim Nolan, Joyce Bender as Gladys Nolan, Brian Bedard as Lieutenant Walter Carmichael, Tracy Hall as Trudy Williams, and Katie Daynert as the narrator. And to our guest stars, Elise Kraik as Margaret Wilcox, Julie Hoverson as Nancy Conlon, Darren Marlar as Mr. Dawson, M.J. Cogburn as Dr. Karen Lawrence, Murray Retread as Officer McManus, Gwendolyn Jensen Woodard as Sarah Asherman, Kim Giannopoulos as Mrs. Taylor, Katie Daynert as Michelle Taylor, and Cindy Swanson as Dr. Judith Hardy. Jim Nolan Private Eye was created by Mike Murphy and Arlene Osborne. The head of the class was written by Mike Murphy. The Jim Nolan Private Eye theme was composed and performed by Vivian Dosco. Please hear more of her wonderful music at myspace.com slash Vivian Dosco. That's V-I-V-I-A-N-D-O-S-K-O-W. Additional music by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Producer, Captain John Tadrzak. Assistant producer, Mike Murphy. Mixer, Jim Smigata. Editor, Arlene Osborne. Webmaster, April Sadowski. We would also like to thank Captain John Tadrzak of Misfits Audio for airing this show. Mike Murphy, the author of this story, gratefully acknowledges the continued help of Arlene Osborne in the betterment of his scripts. This production is for enjoyment purposes only. I'm your narrator, Katie Daynert. This is an original production by Misfits Audio, copyright 2009.